Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Dr. Stacey Haynes. She's a professional counselor specializing in the treatment of social, behavioral, and emotional challenges of children. She is also the Director of Inclusion and Equity at Lives in the Balance, a nonprofit organization founded by Dr. Ross Green, author of the book, The Explosive Child. Lives in the Balance provides resources and support to parents, teachers, and caregivers of kids with social, emotional, and behavioral challenges. Welcome, Stacy. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to have you on today because Dr. Ross Green's model of parenting and his book, The Explosive Child, I have found so helpful and so transformative of my own parenting. And he sort of created a paradigm of caregiving, I guess you'd call it, called CPS. Can you tell us what that stands for and how it works? Sure. CPS, it's Collaborative and Proactive Solutions. So that paradigm, it's interesting. Most people will pick up the book because they are having difficulty with their kiddos, right? So challenging behaviors and they're in the parenting section, you're like, I need help. And in The Explosive Child, many people who find Dr. Green find us through that book. It's excellent. We've all had an explosive child at one point or another, right? It's definitely, we have a Facebook group and it's definitely one one of those books where people are like, have you heard of this book? Have you heard of this book? It's a go-to. The idea of it, if I can try to put it in words, what I think it is, it's sort of identifying what's underneath the iceberg, so to speak. The challenging behavior is actually a problem mm-hmm. and you figure out the problem and then you collaboratively problem solve the problem with your child. So we absolutely believe that behavior is just the signal, right? So let's say your kiddo first day of school, right? We could be in elementary school and we have kiddos that first day that are crying, right? If they're in kindergarten, maybe they're crying because they miss mom. Maybe if second grade, they're crying because none of their friends are in their classes. But we still have the same behavior. But under that, we say there's still an unsolved problem. And so a big part of this is instead of looking at behavior, we're going to say, what's going on for that kiddo in the moment? What's expectations? They're having difficulty meeting. And for some of our kids, they look lucky, right? So the kid that's crying, a teacher might walk over and say, hey, bud, how you doing? What's going on? You miss mom, dad? Hey. But the kid that's crying and maybe stomping, having some unlucky behaviors in that moment, we may respond differently as caregivers in their world. And so we really say behavior is just the signal that, hey, there's a problem that we need to focus on and and get to work with solving with our kids. Sometimes the presentation of the behavior is really confusing to us as caregivers and as parents, and that 
Sometimes I know I struggle the most when my kids' behavior makes it hard for me to access them. The crying, you're right. It's like, I know how to deal with crying. That's a hug and that's love. Oh, that's bringing them in. So we have the first day of school example. What's another example of behavior that is a signal that something's underneath it? Well, sure. We can talk about like, for example, in a classroom, right? So Johnny's in the middle of a math test. And if Johnny's crying, right? So again, going back to my crying or an unlucky behavior, Johnny might decide to rip up that math test, Mm -hmm. right? Because he's so Mm -hmm. frustrated. He's overwhelmed. I feel you, Johnny, on that math test. Especially when we get the ratios and long division, right? We're all checked out. <laughs> oh, no. Fractions, dividing, no. I stopped at third grade math, right, with my kids. So. <laughs> but one of the things, right, so even in those moments, we talk about, sure, it might be an academic, but we could say, but Johnny's also having emotional regulation skills, right? He's got something going on in that moment that outstrips his ability to be able to manage that moment, what we call adaptively, right? So to be able to handle problems and frustration, we need skills. Think about us as moms, right? So when are our worst moments? Mm -hmm. My kids can tell you when I get lost, right? (laughs) I have to turn the radio down. You might hear some, everybody be quiet in the car, right? But that might be, again, my challenging behavior coming out. But that's what we have to understand about our kids, right? So when we see challenging behavior, it's just telling us that there's an expectation that's going on. They're having difficulty meeting that expectation. And so with CPS, we say our plan B, which is our conversation then we have with our kiddo, instead of rewards, punishment, sticker charts, behavior mod, we don't do that stuff with CPS. We say, let's sit down. Let's have a problem-solving conversation to help our kids. So can we talk about that? So the kids torn up the test. How would CPS approach that moment with that child who's sending a signal? So we're going to work with the student on this problem. But a key thing is we're not going to wait to the moment Johnny's in the math test, right? Let's say the teacher or parent, we've had this happen a few times and we're noticing something's going on. So with CPS, our plan B, we're going to be as proactive as possible. Maybe the test is on Friday, right? So now on Wednesday, as a mom, I'm going to say, hey, Johnny, I know you have a really hard time with those math tests. What's up? And so we problem solve ahead of those moments so that we're not being reactive all the time, right? Whether we're educators or parents, and you come up with a solution that the kid can use in that moment. So then they're also being able to meet the expectation in the moment. I have a kid who's in special ed, and we hear a lot of this dialogue around kids in special ed. And then I have two kids who are in mainstream learning. And I think some of this support that goes in to help kids who we know struggle with this, we skip over for other kids. And it's something that I talk about a lot, like bringing these techniques to every day, because I have a kid who generally functions pretty well, but he does not do well with hard left turns. And I learned from my kid who really can't do transitions at all, that this idea of really priming the pump so that if the dentist is on Friday, we start talking about that on Monday. Because if we start talking about it at pickup when we're about to go to the dentist, it doesn't go well. I love that you pointed this out because sometimes we talk about concerning behaviors, people automatically go, oh, just the kids with disabilities or kids with special needs or just, right. no, this is used in classrooms for all students, right? My kids, I have a Minson. My daughter is actually high IQ. She's an official Minson card, you know, carrier here. 
but I'm doing CPS with her on difficulty writing theme for an honors English class. One of the um, parts of our approach, we can plan C, we can set side expectations, right? So even for my kids, sometimes I set aside cleaning their room. Yep. <laughs> I've planned seed that at my house. Right? <laughs> it's an expectation. But here again, when we have company, I close the doors. So this is an expectation I can set aside. What I think people forget is that we are solving problems every day with our kids, right? So we can either plan what we call plan A, we're either saying because I said so, yelling, consequences, whatever. We can plan B, which a lot of times people resonate with the book and the model because they're like, oh, I talk to my kids in a way. It just wasn't the exact way it's laid out here. Or we can plan C or we can set things aside. And I say, so every day as a parent, you're doing one of those three things at maybe any given moment and maybe not being aware of it. But one of the great things about the model is that, right, it kind of puts it out to say, okay, I can do this, whether I'm a teacher, a caregiver, a parent, Dr. Green wrote the book, we've got the resources on the website, so that anybody at any time can pick it up and use it for any kid. So I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people, we start talking approaches and they're like, oh, that's only on one side of our building. Nope, that's for all kids. Can we talk about the plan A a little bit? Go back to that. CPS is a departure from our usual way of doing things, which might be in the case of the kid who ripped up the test. What would plan A be? The usual approach. Plan A might be you're out of my classroom, kiddo, right? It's be sometimes, and it doesn't always mean consequences. Plan A, if you have a child study team meeting, for example, and your child is not in that meeting, and the adults in that child's world has come up with ideas and interventions or accommodations for their plans, we could actually be doing plan A because we don't have the kid involved. These are uninformed decisions on a way to solve a problem, right? So adults in a room might say something like, oh yeah, you know, Johnny's having a hard time turning in that math homework. We're going to have the teacher sign the agenda book. We're going to have Johnny sign the agenda book. And yay, we've got a great accommodation. Let's put that on his plan. Johnny was never involved. So when we go to share it with Johnny, what does he do? I'm not doing that, (laughs) right? That's not something I want to do. And now we're saying, oh, he's not motivated. He's oppositional. So plan A can be about consequences, but really what we say, it's an uninformed. It's because I said so. It's the adults in a kid's world saying, this is what we're going to do to meet the expectation. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more about what happens when the kids who struggle aren't given the help they need. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. 
Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health, and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. We're back. We're talking to Dr. Stacy Haynes of Lives in the Balance. Okay, so What's wrong with this approach is the kids that we lose by not giving them the help they need. Instead, we might turn up the heat, right? First, you have to sit in the back of the classroom or the front of the classroom. Then you get sent to the principal's office. Then your parent comes in. We're turning up the heat. We're turning up the heat. And we might do this at home. Like, you'll clean your room or no dessert or no screens. And now you can't go to the birthday party this weekend. Like, I'm turning up the heat. But as you point out and your work so well, like, if these things work, they would have worked, They don't tend to give us the results that we want, but what do they get us instead? Yeah, I always tease my teenagers that come in, right? Or the the parent that's like taking the cell phone, right? Right. And I'm like, okay, so we've taken Fortnite how many times? (laughs) We've taken their cell phone and we still have the same what we call unsolved problem, right? Consequences, you know, that's one of the challenges. Even when we look in school settings, right? The whole idea of having, let's say, a detention or suspension, well, we've known for years that that doesn't change behavior. What it does, even at home, I go to give a consequence. I get more challenging behavior. I might get, you know, slamming things, stomping up the steps at this point. You know, we have just escalated a moment. Now everybody's yelling. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) We've all been there, right? Listen, that moment. And it's like, wait a minute, pause, time out. The goal of CPS is to resolve conflict or disagreements in a way that doesn't have conflict. So even as a mom with my kid, right, if I really want that kid to meet the expectation, then I have to figure out what's getting in the kid's way. And our plan B conversation helps us to figure out that part because we say empathy, right? I have to sit, I have to talk to my kid and say, hey, bud, I know you're having difficulty cleaning that room. What's up? (laughs) Right? And so again, it's those small moments that we begin to pick apart to help our kid to even meet the expectations. And what I love, because I love expectations, we actually don't eliminate our expectations. This isn't compromise. I'm actually going to get my kid through this conversation to be able to clean their room, to be mm. able to complete that math test, to be able to meet the expectations that made us want to sit down and talk with them to begin with. I think that point is really important because I think a lot of us with plan A, we sometimes get pressure as moms like, tweet, tweet, you're so precious that you're going to think about their feelings. Back in our day, we just told kids what to do and they did it. But I think what you're saying is that we're missing plan B, the next step where we're actually going to get a little bit deeper than that. But do you see pushback from parents who say that seems a little precious to them? Like, we don't need to talk about feelings. We need to get the math homework turned in. 
He needs to get in line. Right. right. Yeah. And absolutely. And it's funny because by the time they come to see us, right, they've tried punishment. They've tried corporal punishment. They've tried, you know, taking the door off the room. Like, you know, by the time parents have come to us, listen, they've tried everything and we're still in the same place. So I always say to my parents, give us 30 days, right? Put all that plan A stuff to the side. Let's sit down and try plan B for 30 days. Let's actually solve some of the problems. Because the thing about a plan A moment is we maybe have given, you know, taken that cell phone, but did we really solve the problem? No, all you did was take the cell phone. So tomorrow, right, with my preschoolers, right, if you have the behavior chart with the red, yellow, and green, we get really excited and we have a green day, right? But guess what? The next day it's going to be yellow or red because the kid still doesn't have the skills to meet the expectations in that classroom setting. So then their little behavior chart starts looking like the Christmas tree, right? With all the different color lights. Yes. <laughs> and our hope is that, right, this has changed something. No, the green sticker doesn't change anything from the kid because the next day when that expectation and they're saying, hey, bud, we need you to help clean up and he doesn't have the ability in that moment to do it, then comes back the yellow and the red sticker. So we're really not teaching skills by a lot of the plan A and behavior stuff that we're doing with our kiddos. Can we talk about the lagging skills and unsolved problems? You have, I'll put the link to the Google Doc in the show notes for this episode. It's very eye-opening. You have a kid who's working your last nerve in a certain way. If you can reframe it as, this kid has a lagging skill. This child has an unsolved problem. It's a questionnaire that you can fill out about where your kid's coping skills might be lagging. And how do you suggest that either schools and or parents use this questionnaire to sort of figure out where their kid's at? Yeah, so we call it our Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, right? So our LSUP. And it's a one-page document. As a mental health clinician, I love it because I'm like, what? It's not 200 questions. It's just one page. Keep it simple. (laughs) Keep it simple for us, please. (laughs) Yes. It's like, wait a minute. I always tease Ross. I was like, one page? That's it? So the top, though, right, it's about identifying lagging skills. So instead of me saying things like, my kid's lazy, not motivated, I can say, hey, maybe they're having difficulty maintaining focus. Maybe they're having difficulty persisting on tedious tasks. So we have about 18 skills that we've identified from the research working with children to say if we're having a kid that's having a hard time adapting to problems and frustration in appropriate ways, then maybe it's because, again, these skills, these moments require these skills and a kid's lagging them. So I would say it's kind of like our why, right? We kind of get a bigger picture of understanding. Then our when moments or when do we see those moments that our kids are having the difficulty meeting expectations, right? So my when moments are the expectations, right? So difficulty getting up in the morning, difficulty playing four squares at recess, difficulty sitting next to, you know, John at circle time. So it's these types of moments that we now can then put into specific expectations And now, instead of saying to Donnie, hey, why are you hitting Susie at circle time? I can say, hey, bud, I know she had a really hard time sitting next to Susie at circle time. What's up? Kids are open. We come in neutral, right? If we start talking about their negative behavior, the things that we see, they start shutting down. They don't want to talk. What I'm really doing with this ALSUP is also changing my language to say, hey, we're going to come in neutral. We're going to have a problem-solving conversation. You're my problem-solving partner. And so on that LSUP, we change our words so that we are now getting ourselves ready for the actual plan B conversation with the kiddos. 
for people who are just coming to this, there's sometimes a little bit of like, not my kid, though. My kid really needs the hard love. Like, this wouldn't work for my kid. So walk us through a little bit what that looks like. Now we're on to the plan B. We're understanding that we need to connect with this kid, have some empathy, and start building that out. To your point of not my kid, right? So I always tell my groups, I have worked with schools, alternative learning centers in New York City, right? Some of our toughest kiddos. So (laughs) the Hard Knocks group, they love this conversation as well, because here again, we're going to solve problems. So we start with the empathy step. And it's called the empathy step because all we're doing in that first part is actually helping to understand from the kid's perspective what's going on in that moment. Mm. And so we have a drilling cheat sheet. We have a plan B cheat sheet that takes you through the steps of the conversation. But it is a conversation that starts with just listening from the student. I find that students enjoy being able to sit down with an adult. I always say, you're not in trouble. Mm. I'm trying to understand what's going on in the moment. And then we give them, after hearing their concerns, we give them our concerns. So parents, again, we don't ignore our needs. (laughs) We get to say, hey, this is my concern about, again, you being able to meet this expectation. It could be a safety concern. It could be, you know, even with math. Hey, but I really, you know, my concern is I don't want you to fall behind. I really want you to be able to understand this. And it seems like it's really hard for you when you're taking tests. We can heartfelt, but we can share our concern. And then our invitation, we invite them to problem solve. So we actually take one of the kids' concerns, one of our concerns, and we invite them to actually come up with solutions to solve the problem. Give you one of my favorite examples. I've had little ones as little as three and four years old that come up with like really great ideas. I had a second grader who was having school anxiety. Her solution was to bring a basketball to the bus stop so that kids would talk to her and she would make friends. Mm. We would have never thought of that idea. (laughs) It's so important because I would definitely be the kind of adult I think most ones would that you're having anxiety. So what do you think we should do? I thought we should do this construction paper project that I have here (laughs) under the desk already to go. You know, you would literally never have come to the solution that actually Mm -hmm. worked for that kid. What's so amazing when you really go through these you know, I, I notice you're having trouble at, at test time and sometimes you seem to get so frustrated, you tear it up. What's up? And you can find out like it's too hot in the classroom or something you would never think of if you really open up the conversation. And even to the point of like homework on one day, right? So kids will tell me things like, well, spelling is fine when I only have to write the words three times, but it becomes hard when I have to write it in a sentence, right? Or, you know, math is good till we get to long division. <laughs> even cleaning their room, it's about, I didn't know you know, how to start or what parts to start with, or it's just too overwhelming. Like the things that we hear from our kids, that's the empathy. I always say it changes my heart when Mm. I sit down with a kid because man, I don't even see the same situation the same anymore after you hear from them what makes it so hard. We're going to come back and learn more about lives in the balance. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while 
still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. We're talking to Dr. Stacey Haynes. Before the break, we were talking about connecting with kids, finding this empathy, being these kind of mystery solvers with them and finding their solutions. What about a kid? I know I have one who I can picture this conversation. I don't know. I don't know. Nothing will make it better. Never mind. It's not fixable. So what do we do with a kid who isn't really available for this conversation, at least the first time we have it with them? Yeah, I love that. We have an entire slide when we do the presentations on the I don't know kid. (laughs) (laughs) I need that slide. I need to skip to that slide. (laughs) A whole chapter in the book, I think. (laughs) Because I definitely I'm picturing my kid. Nothing will ever make it better. He's just in that place. Yeah. And it's interesting because for some kids, it's also their defense response, right? So they say, I don't know, then they know we're going to move on, right? So even the idea, we have drilling strategies that teaches us how to, for example, in that moment, I might say a kid, you know, if I say, hey, but I know you have difficulty, you know, picking up the toys in the playroom, what's up? And they say, I don't know. I'm like, well, let's first, what toys are in the playroom? What kind of things do we have in there? Even if I'm the parent, what I'm doing now is kind of getting the conversation going, right? So we're moving past the I don't know and really helping kids. So we have drilling strategies, but yeah, a whole page on that because some of our kids, they've been, I hate to say conditioned, even when we ask them a question, right? How was school today? It's okay. And then we move on, right? But being specific with our strategies, we actually are able to have really great and insightful conversations. And some of our kids just need time because they've never thought about what's hard. Right. So that's what's mm-hmm. interesting, too, because I might even say, hey, but you know what? I've never thought about what's hard either about cleaning up the playroom. What do you think? What's hard about that? And so getting kids even that space to kind of think about the problems right, that affect their lives is a cool part of the CPS model. Yeah. And I think my kid who struggles with it, what he struggles with is feeling overwhelmed. So then the question becomes overwhelming. And it's, I guess, revisiting that conversation and really keeping it open ended and just kind of drawing it out of him. Yeah. Challenging, though. Challenging. <laughs> so you recently published an article, Stacy, on exclusionary discipline. 
and schools and how it's counterproductive and unnecessary for all students, but perhaps unfairly applied to some students more than others. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Dr. Green and I, we um, at Lives in the Balance, we've always had the mission of talking about school discipline. And so our alternative to exclusionary discipline article focuses on the fact that many of our schools, believe it or not, 19 states actually still use corporal punishment for students in schools. And so we're looking at the fact that students that are black and brown, students that with disabilities are male students, we're looking at disproportional data and the fact that we really have to what we would say be more disproportional problem solving. So really work on a way to keep kids in school. Dr. Green wrote the book Lost at School, which also kind of, again, highlights the CPS model, but talks about what we know with this disconnect with kids. Once we start suspending them or removing them from classroom settings or from their general education settings, that they do begin to drift, even by high school. If a kid has like one suspension by high school, that's going to reduce their likelihood of graduating high school, which is crazy statistics. But we look at even preschool. Many of the families that find me, my new patient is a three, four, and five-year-old that's been kicked out of a preschool setting for behaviors that the American Medical Association says a four or five-year-old should have, right? Things like hitting, not sharing, kicking. This is all age-appropriate stuff. And so we at Lives in the Balance are really looking at helping schools to change their policies, change their discipline practices, using more CPS conversations, because we definitely want kids to be able to stay in school and stay connected. We do have people who talk about corporal punishment in our Facebook group. We will have people who come in and say, you know, that kid just needs a good smack and that'll get them back in line. And they're not interested in the 18 different steps. We are just to put it out there against (laughs) corporal punishment on this podcast. But I think framing it for people, not just as, you know, that's old school, that's wrong in this way, but that is a plan A Mm-hmm. kind of a behavior that actually doesn't work for kids. And it's a distancing mm-hmm. activity that's creating distance between you and the child. And that actually creating connection between you and a child is going to get better results, even though it might seem a little bit harder at first. Yeah. And one thing I always say to Ross, I said, I know it maybe wasn't intended to be a family therapy model, but, you know, I watch families, I watch teachers and educators who sit down with the student. And again, you know, they look at the reports from last year and they're like, oh, Josh, this is my kid this year, right? He's in my class. Yeah, that yeah. Kid. But by the end of the school year, they're using CPS. They're solving problems with the student. And for next year, guess what? They're handing off a new kid with new skills to the next year teacher, right? And so, One of the things with this, it is a relationship building model. It changes how you view your kid, right? So if I look at my kid and be like, hey, you know what? I no longer see them as lazy and unmotivated. Yeah, they're just having a hard time with sensory stuff. They're having a hard time joining conversations. You know, we think about our lagging skills in so many areas of our kids' lives these days. But it does. It brings parents together instead of yelling or plan A-ing, right? Now we can say, hey, let's have a problem-solving conversation. I had one of my providers, she would take problem-solving hats, like little detective hats with her kids. And she would sit down and say, okay, we're doing our problem-solving. Get your detective hats. And they would sit down. And that changed her whole outlook as a mom on how to parent her two boys. It is so cute. And it mm-hmm. it's very meaningful because, listen, we're busy and we're frustrated. Sometimes you're just like, put your shoes on, get in the car. It's not every conversation is going to be like, right. let's connect on a deeper level. But I think if we only are able to function mm-hmm. at that frustrated level, 
it just causes more problems than it solves. Well, no, I was going to say, and one of the things about getting ahead of these and being proactive is that when the kids don't have their shoes on, you now have a solution for that, right? (laughs) So we can get into our toolkit of solutions and now throw a solution for the kid to get the shoes on. Now we're all getting out the door in time. (laughs) I wanted to give a little more airtime to plan C because this has also really helped me. So if plan A is your old way of doing things, right, that because I said so sort of thing, and plan B is let's sit down and talk about this and let's collaboratively problem solve, there is a plan C alternative, which is not yet, not right now. I'm going to sort of park this expectation, not give up, but just put it away for a little bit. Do I have that right? Yes. And plan C is helpful. I tell parents, you know, it's kind of like our New Year's resolutions, right? It is October. None of us remember what we started off in the year, (laughs) right? Plan C is just like that. We're not going to be able to work on everything at once, right? So you can set things aside as a parent. Maybe I'm setting aside you know, things that are difficult in the morning, just so we have a quiet morning doesn't mean we forget about them. We're going to come back and problem solve them. But for right now, I'm going to say, hey, my priority is to plan B, this expectation, something that's maybe a safety issue happening every day. But we also do this with IEPs in a beautiful way, right? So let's say we have a student that has needs help with instructions for a math test. Well, the rest of the class is taking the math test. The student might be doing something else, right? So we set aside the expectation of taking the math test until we can do that later for a student. So we do set expectations aside and people have to be comfortable saying it's not compromise. We're going to come back to it. But sometimes it's very helpful for us and for the kid to be able to set something aside. It's hard to do in the heat of the moment. (laughs) It is, but if your house is always heat of the moment, if you have a lot of conflict in your house, it's very useful to sort of lay out for yourself, okay, the messy room, I'm just not even going to talk about it for the next six months. I refuse to fight about that with my kid, or Mm -hmm. you're wearing that to school. Like We're just, we're going to take that off the table, and we're going to worry about, as you say, the safety issue or the failing three classes issue. Some other stuff is going to have to wait. One of the things I tell parents of my teenagers, the more we can plan C and write, just focus on those bigger issues, you actually gain closer connection as they're getting older. Because it's again, the kids are like, mom, don't sweat the small stuff, right? But we've been sweating the small stuff all along, right? right. right? But if we can problem solve the big stuff with our kids, man, they're like, oh, my parents going to help me out with this. I love it. And then we can come back to the little stuff. Yeah. And it avoids what we talk about a lot, which is the wall of noise that ends up happening, which is your only interactions with your kids are just like, get your shoes, clean your room. You are a mess. Mm -hmm. You are this. You are Mm -hmm. that. And then you're skipping all of that good connection that lays out (laughs) some groundwork to hold on to in the future. Talk to us about Lives in the Balance. Sure. Well, Lives in the Balance is a nonprofit created by Dr. Ross Green. And so we have tons of free resources. So parents that are wanting to learn more about the CPS model, it's livesinthebalance.org. We train schools. um, We train parents. We train professionals all over the country. Train schools how to use it in classroom settings with kids. We train facilities. A big part of his heart is to make sure that we can offer as much as we can free to individuals that, again, are caretakers in the lives of children. But the work that Lives in the Balance does, again, is 
seen throughout the world and on the website. I do want to just highlight the kidsweloose.com as well. Dr. Green did a documentary called The Kids We Lose, and it's won several film festival awards. And it just highlights eight families and their challenges with our educational system and when kids are not the cookie cutter mold, right? And Mm -hmm. some of the challenges that families face. And so thekidsweloose.com has the trailer there, but also the Hope and Solutions video that kind of shows the plan B conversation. But it's a great documentary for families as well. It's such important stuff. And it's a little complicated. I mean, it's easy to understand. And it's a little harder to put into practice. It takes some practice. But I feel like Stacey, you really sort of explained it so clearly today. I understand it so much better now. And I just I believe in this model so much. Yeah. And I encourage our audience to dial into these resources because there's a lot to learn about your own family. And then there's a lot to learn in the bigger picture about how we are failing some kids as a group of humans. And so it's good on the micro and the macro level. Stacy, thanks so much. Stacy, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.